And it's a new day, a new day, <laughs> and uh, I'm Rhett Palmer, and we have Pastor Greg Semchrot. Am I saying it right? Rhett, after all these years, you got it right. Finally, got it. Took me, <laughs> t- took me 25 years. How long have you been uh, a preacher in Vero Beach, Florida? Since 2005. So how many years yeah. does that make you, 2015? So, well, about 17, 18. Wow. Right there. Before that, you were a pastor down in South Florida. Yeah, in Palm Beach Gardens. And it was under what uh, what covering? Well, it was uh, a Church of God. Okay. And uh, that's the, Indiana, the church, right? Yes, out that, of Indiana. That's probably because you're from Indiana. Well, no, I'm not. I'm from Daytona Beach, but I went to school in Indiana. Oh, oh you're from Daytona Beach? I grew so up in Daytona. So being an Indiana guy, oh, you're, no, no, Florida, no. you're a Florida guy. Yeah, I was, Indiana. No, I was the guy that went to school in Indiana, and everybody asked, are you nuts coming to school in Indiana from Daytona Beach, Florida? But uh, that's where I landed, you know. So now you were a bartender. I was yes. So, uh, so uh, unfortunately, yeah, from, from <laughs> <laughs> well, it's sort of like you no, had it's your part own, of the you story. Start off with your own church. <laughs> yeah, there, there's some interesting thoughts about that. That's yeah, interesting. yeah, that's yeah. Good. And so you were a, you were a, you were a, um, uh, a bartender. Uh-huh. You're in school. Right. Uh, did you did you grow up with a perfunctory relationship with the Lord or none yeah. whatsoever? Or? No, I grew up in a Christian home and uh, well, a bit works works based. Yeah. You know what I mean by Meaning, that? What did you do? Okay, so so you feel good about your relationship with God based on what you do. Mm-hmm. So it's works righteousness, and works righteousness. and so my parents never missed church. Uh, they were there when the doors were open. So I grew up in that environment. When I went to college, I went a thousand miles away from home to live my own life. I figure now. And uh, but I did party go hardy. <laughs> well, I didn't set out to party hardy, but I yeah. did set out to, to establish my own beliefs. You know, yeah. and I uh, went to a Christian school in the Midwest. I immediately was connected to some guys who ran off-campus dances. This is a Christian college, so they don't allow. Dancing, that's illegal. You could oh, be really? you can be expelled from school if you if you dance. Now do you that's, think that's a little you know, back in the seventies? That's a little silly. Oh yeah, of course. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's even back, legalism, right? Well even back then I thought it was silly. Yeah, but anyway. Me too. Me too. Uh, so so I, next thing I know, the next year those guys graduate, I'm running these dances off campus every every month, uh, rhythmic activity one oh one at the armory. <laughs> <laughs> we would put it through the post office uh, of the school to all the students. We'd have, you know, six, seven hundred students show up wow. for these dances. So Imagine I had to, you had Facebook back then. Well, let me tell you, man. And I was a young business administration uh-huh. student, so uh-huh. I'm just applying my my uh, what I'm learning in the classroom, skills. and uh, and it was it was a lot of fun. And then when I was old enough, I began to uh, well, I was a waiter in a nice restaurant. And but they also had a bar Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, a live yeah. band, uh-huh. and the bar was in the back downstairs, yeah. huge room. Uh, you were just set out to serve either food, yeah, whatever, you know, and, and run, yep. Jesus. And they said, if you know, if you really want to learn uh, how to be a better waiter, we want you to work the bar too. So I did that on the weekends, and then they put me on the day shift from three to six, the happy hour. And we were located just across the street from the yeah. city council building. So oh, all the oh. attorneys, the judge, the, the mayor, yeah. a new mayor, Rock, he'd come in, and I'd set up a double smirnoff on the rocks for him. 
and I learned more about what was going on in that city from those guys. I mean, you, oh. what you said earlier, it really, be, I mean, it's a great way to learn yeah. about people yeah. and to get insight into things. And so back then, I wasn't even thinking ministry. I was just, you know, enjoying life. And uh, and uh, that's that's how I got my start, you know, was uh, being a bartender. A mixologist. I went to mixology school, studied the whole thing, got my degree, and never used it once. Is that right? Yeah. Well, you know, I learned I learned a couple things that were very important for my life from being a bartender. One, that uh, drinking alcohol yeah. will do one of two things to people. It either makes them quiet or it makes them loud. But either way... Or angry and sad. That's, that's well said. Uh, in the bar setting, the angry and sad... Probably the sad manifested more than the anger. So it was a nice restaurant. The quiet or loud. Why do people get so loud? You go into a restaurant now. Recently, you lose inhibition, man. You you, you're no longer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So so the bottom line was you're not yourself. I was guilty of that at one point. Yeah, I, I remember those days with you and. And uh, talking yeah. to you about, uh, you know, yeah, you, alcohol. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got over after my mom died. I really indulged. Really, really awesome. You know how God helped you through that. Yeah, miraculously. Yes. But we have another friend who used to come and sit at the front row I of your know, church. I know. And he came Chris. and went and visited some meetings we have a twelve step program. But yeah. He didn't make it. Yeah. No. Last time I saw him, he had a, well, a you, wet brain in the hospital and. I said, "Do you recognize? Oh, I I reckon, I know who you are." And then, yeah, I don't know. The next day, or a few days later, he died. Yeah, you know, at first you start out with "I have alcohol," and you end up with "Alcohol has me," yes. and it really does. Well, Mr. Walsh, ninety-six-year-old Mr. Walsh, used to always tell me, "Yeah, David. man, have first drink, man, have second drink, third drink, have man." He said it's an Indian mm. saying. Wow, man, have first drink, man, have second drink, third drink has man. Yeah, and if you think about it and chew on that, it's true. Well, I'd like to say that, you know, I, I bartended and it ended there, but it didn't. I, uh, uh, as I was working the weekends at, at the bar, which was much louder, it was live bands, it was a lot of people in a factory town where people were paid on Thursday night. Mm, There's a reason boy. why the bar opened up on Thursday night. Yeah. And I we'll saw people. take your paycheck. Yeah, back in that day, you know, quaaludes were the thing, and so you had people bouncing off walls and everything else. Now, what is a quaalude? Is that speed? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so, uh, just saw a lot, and uh, and got caught up in some of it. Okay. And so, so uh, I didn't I didn't take those pills, but there were other things that I indulged in yeah, that were experimentation. just experimentation. Yeah, and, psychedelics. But you know what? Interestingly what? enough, it was under the influence of of, of something. I'm not going to go into it, but uh, that God really spoke to me. Um. I was sitting at a Christmas party of the employees, and we were sitting in that lounge. And uh, I participated with them in a substance, and immediately um, I didn't know anybody in the room. Mm. I was on a trip that was crazy. Isolated. And I immediately just stood up and walked out of the room, got in my in my VW, was heading across the bridge, Eisenhower Bridge. Back then, back no, six two and just skinny man, as skinny as oh, a rail. Okay. And uh, but I couldn't even feel uh, my foot touching the pedal or Uh-oh. the brake. That's how out of body experience oh, it was. Boy. And got back, 
and went straight to the to the bedroom, laid down on my bed, and you know, up in Indiana, you've got the you've got the basements, yes. and they've got the heaters down there, yes. and the floor vents. Yes. And uh, I looked over at the floor vent, and light was shooting up out of it, and I knew right then, no more. <laughs> and that was my first experience yeah. with doing that. I don't like this. Oh, and that broke me. But then just bartending day after day, serving guys, listening to them tell no their stories. The more no they more drink, drugs. the more yeah. they wow. open up, and yeah. they have an altered state or personality. Mm-hmm. And from that, I learned I don't need to be messing mm-hmm. with alcohol. No. And now, this is long before I really, you know, was coming, became serious in my faith. I, I had had an experience where I decided that I wanted to be a Christian of my own volition, not because my parents raised yeah, me that way. Why suddenly you want to become a Christian? Be- I think because of these experiences. Um, and I just came to realize that stuff's a dead-end street. I'm, I'm yeah. not happy. It's not giving me fulfillment. Well, you these miserable people sitting at the bar yeah. kind of going, I don't think that's the life I want. Well, I'm waking up in the next morning, and I'm scratching my ear out here somewhere, you know. <laughs> and I said, this is not the life I want. No. So uh, I, I remember... Uh, recommitting my life to Christ. Really? In college. So you had committed your life to Christ as a kid? As or a 12-year-old and was baptized. Would, do, you, do you remember, if there was there some some semblance of a conversion? Was there some yes. knowledge that something yes. has changed with There you? was. Okay, so I, would, so I believe probably at that point, if that's true, and that happened to my stepfather, uh, and now he never became an extreme Christian like you and I are, where we want to proclaim the gospel to Jesus yeah. Christ. And not everybody's like us. I mean, there are those that say, I was just watching a yeah. video the other day, on YouTube, and this preacher said, if you don't want to proclaim Jesus to people, I don't think you're born again. I don't think you know Jesus. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are people, both of us in our lives, we have people that are close to us. They're not, that's not there. They're not upfront people. They're very hidden in the background. And we, we can't, exp- you know, you and I are type A's, so we can't everybody experience. So I don't yeah. know where, where, where that begins and ends, you know. Yeah, me either. Um, but it Go led ahead. me, it, it just led me to... Uh, you know, when I when I recommitted, I, I just knew I just knew that that I was a sinner, and that Christ could forgive me of all my sin. When and did this happen? I mean, was it at home? Was it, it in a no, church? No, it was in or? school, the same place where I was bartending and sowing <laughs> no, my no, oats. No, wait a second. So you're in, you're not in class one day, and all of a sudden you get no, one. no. They had uh, because it's a Christian college. They had oh. this religious emphasis week services. They For the whole week, they had a guy speaking oh. in the evenings. It wasn't mandatory, but students could go. So there You're was a beautiful young point. blonde ah. that I really had my eyes on. Is that Mrs. Simpson? No, 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 no. no. And I wanted to go because she was going and she asked me if I'd go. Yes. So I went and I listened to what the guy said and the spirit of the living God began to convict me of my sin. And it was in a small, beautiful, neat, uh, like a Chapel? like an auditorium, oh, yeah. auditorium that had an orchestra pit and a neat stage. It was really a cool, like a repertoire kind of a thing. And and so when the service was over, the guy invited students to come forward mm-hmm. and kneel and pray in the orchestra pit. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a dude that on campus I just didn't get. I didn't understand him. I, I didn't want to spend time around him. He was didn't a football like player, yeah. a big lug, you know. Uh, a, line, a, a linebacker, no, no. And oh, but he was there? He was there, too. So I mean, I'll tell you. So so this big guy's there. and uh, Let him the, tell the story, Rhett. Okay. okay. <laughs> at the close, 
I go down, and they had chairs set up, and I knelt at a chair, and I was weeping uncontrollably. Really? As I contemplated the death of my sin and how that breaks wow. the heart of God. I don't know how it came upon me, but it's like the light wow. came on. He gave you, it's like, I think, the even, light came I think on. even being broken and contrite is a gift of God, and he gave it to you that day. Well, Have you ever been in church? You could come in from the yeah. world of the week, and then all of a sudden you feel broken and contrite. That's a gift. So that's what you well, had. I believe every believer, true believer, to some degree, they experience brokenness, mm. and they do have a contrite heart. Yeah. yeah, you can't get saved unless you have it, right? Mm. So, so I'm just like I'm, in the I'm wailing of our twelve step program. Unless you come to a point where you surrender and come to a place of honesty you and brokenness, you're not going to make it. There you go. So interestingly, uh, I'm I'm wailing. I'm I'm just overwhelmed wow. by my. This is sins. great. And uh, all of a sudden, I hear somebody next to me wailing. And I look over, and it's, it's, it's Denny Hebner, oh, the football player. Oh, my word. And God had got Touched a hold of his heart. Oh, it was amazing. Wow. We got up from there, and we weren't friends before that. We hugged each other. We were so both, we're brothers in Christ well, I know. now. I bet you still are. And we are. Yeah. And he went into the ministry. No. Became a pastor. You both got called that day. It was amazing. I don't know if my call was that day. When I was a boy, I remember I told you I was baptized when I was 12. Yeah. Um, My my Sunday school teacher told my mom without my knowing, and my mom never revealed it to me. Okay. But she came to her shortly after that, and she said, I don't know how to tell you this, Lou, but I believe God has called Greg to be a pastor one day. Really? Isn't that interesting? So my mom thought, uh, you know, I see him at home. So but I'm she not didn't sure. want to tell you because that but might influence That's you. right. She didn't want to influence me. So she kept that quiet. So anyway, so. That was so, wise of her. So I still wow. worked at the restaurant. I still bartended after repenting of my sin. I didn't drink anymore. I didn't partake in any substance. And I, I had a different life. Yeah. And about a, about six months later, I went to Jackie, the manager of the restaurant, and I said, Jackie, I, I need to leave. Uh, and she said, why? And I said, and I, I was broken. And I said, Jackie, I don't, I'm a Christian. I've given my heart to Christ. And I don't think I'm making a difference here. <laughs> and she wept. No. She broke. This place was a... Maybe you could have led her to Jesus. This was a really old building. It was a really cool place, wow. this restaurant. It was an old building that back in the 40s yeah. was a brothel. They had a downstairs cavern, and that's where the offices were set up, in the cavern. Cavern or cavern? Cavern. Sea? It was like sea, like rock yeah. walls with the... Uh, and so bad things happened down there? No, it was oh. it was an office. But oh. I was sitting in her office in that cavern, oh, okay. and she broke. She just started weeping. And really? she said, Greg, you don't realize the influence that you've had on many of us. It just blew, blew my mind. Because you weren't blatantly preaching. You weren't yes. proselytizing. You just so, were being. So I stayed a little longer. You know, I felt like the Lord compelled me to stay. Oh. But I still struggled with being the bartender, you know? Yeah. But I did minister to the mayor and to the city councilman and, you know. Hey, mayor, repent. <laughs> no, I didn't. But it was, you know, early beginnings in we the faith. we send you to Washington. <laughs> uh, All early, of a sudden, the skies uh, open up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Greg, you shall go forth to Washington, D.C. <laughs> so I, I went back to school, uh, still going to school, and I 
I finished my degree, a business administration degree, yeah. was at the, the uh, graduation ceremony, uh, a building that holds 8,000, huge mm-hmm. facility. And I walked out the back of the building after the graduation ceremony with my diploma in my hand. And just outside the doors, there were tons of people talking to family and pictures and all that. And a pastor walked up to me. And he said, Greg, he said, uh, I am now pastoring the church that you grew up in in Daytona. Oh, really? Yeah, he had gone there after I went to college. And he said, would you, he goes, are you doing any interviews for business? I said, yes. He said, well, before you head out, is it po- are you going to go home and see your family? I said, yeah, I am. He said, would you come by my office? I want to talk to you. I said, sure, I'll do that. So I showed up at his office, and he said, hey, I, I just want you to know I sense God is calling you to be a pastor. The Bible says out of the mouths of two or more witnesses, something is established. Well, wow, here's two strangers. Yes. And, uh, and the reason he, he had that sense was because the summer before, after I had given my heart to Christ, uh, next, that next summer, I went home to see my parents and they needed help at the church working with the youth. So my roommate and I, Smitty was working with young life up in Indiana. So we came down and for three months, we kind of, helped resurrect a youth group. And it was a blast. We had a great time. So he was basing his comments to me on that. Hmm. And he said, I think you're called. And I said, wow. I said, that's a shocker to me. He goes, <laughs> he goes I want to propose something. I'd like yeah. for you to consider giving up the, uh, the next year, not pursuing business for the next year, and, and come on our staff and let us pay you to work with the youth of our church for one year. Wow. And let's see what God does through that time. Wow. Well, I obviously didn't have a wife or kids, nothing holding me down. Okay, I could wait a year. And this was intriguing enough now as a believer yeah. that I wanted to know more. So I gave the year, and wow. I never looked back, right? <laughs> I knew I was called. Yeah, And really? uh, that's how I got my start, you know. But ah. God took me, and he didn't just remove me from, uh, you know, a house of ill repute, so to speak, yeah. He, he let me, he, he allowed me to stay there and minister as a new believer. And I was strong enough not to give in to, you know, the things that were happening there. And then he removed me and then he called me. I thought I was heading off for business. I even said, I prayed my prayer when I graduated. It was, Lord, I don't know what city I'll land in, but wherever I land, I want to be faithful to the church and I would like to work with youth. Now, well, you're kidding. No, I said that. Now, the funny thing is, though, but see, you had managerial position uh, experience. First of all, you knew how to manage the people at the bar and at the restaurant. And the next, you went to school and got a degree in business, and, and, and so you have a gift of administration, too. I mean, a pastor kind of has to have that. Yeah. Like if I was called as a pastor, yeah. we'd all be in trouble and I'd be <laughs> end up in no, jail. No, if God called you, you it would be successful uh, if you he would put uh, the people around you who had those gifts. You think so? Because yeah. I tell yeah. you what, he boy, would. you gotta you gotta, <laughs> you gotta have some common sense. Yeah, to but do you know that. what? If you look at the people in the Bible that God used, you talk about a mess. See that there is grief. hope for me. <laughs> I mean, David was an adulterer. He was a murderer. Hey, if you're listening to this podcast, you know. <laughs> God can use anybody, even us, Red. We are looking for a few oddities to fill some positions we have. That's what Jesus did. He chose the weird ones, didn't he? Bunch he of disciples said, says, that were stinky, smelly. Fool, I've chosen the foolish things of this world to confound those that are wise in their own eyes. Well, you know, I've, I often have these little little dreams like that where, if you, you know, when, when Jesus... 
when the angels revealed that the Messiah was born, yeah. you would think they would go and appear before the king, or they'd yeah. go and appear before some, some wealthy people, or some right. very successful, or some scientists of the day, or whatever. Instead, it's the lowly workers. One of the lowest jobs you could have was foot washing and being a shepherd. These were the shepherds. This flock of there angels show so We declare that the king of, uh, you know, has been born. The king of the, the heavenly of host presented this, themselves yeah. to shepherds, yeah. the stinky, smelly guys that yeah. work with sheep all day. Yeah. Of all the people on the earth, he hey, could, they could have presented to. Who did King David go and get? Yeah. A shepherd boy. His army. Well, no, no, he was a shepherd boy. I'm talking about later on though, when he was when Saul was after him. Oh. He got those with the, oh, mal- he got the, the misfits. Ma- the malcontents. Yes. Totally. Yeah. Well, that's that's always really in scripture. That's how God works. He works through those who are broken. Those who have been shattered, splintered, crushed, annihilated in life. And now they are nothing, and they know it, and they're desperate for God. Well, you know, the Scripture says that even a proud look stinks in the nostrils of God. Now, Mm. we've known some arrogant people, right? So, uh, and you think— I've been that arrogant person at times. Yeah, well, I I really have been. And it's like, oh, my, you know, it's like, uh, you know— It's haughty. uh, Yeah. It's just disgusting in 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 the— And the people that have it. People inherit money, or they get a bunch of stuff, or they think they're better than others, and they, they don't even know they're miserable. They can't see it. I didn't see it I, until God turned the light on, you know, and then I saw my sin the way he sees it. Yeah. Then I repented. Oh. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that he revealed it to me. But uh, so that was, you know, that was the early beginnings. And then I, so I became the youth pastor at that church for three and a half years. How was that? It was incredible. You? Now, you were at what I, age I, at this point? Well, at this point, I'm about 22. One, 22 years old. Oh, you're young. Yes, and uh, loved it. I mean, I spent all my days and nights helping What'd you youth. What you love about it? Oh, I just loved kids. I loved hearing their story. I loved seeing kids get a victory in their life. And I knew that God was the best way for them to have victory. It was coming to know him and him resetting their, their, their mind on him and getting their identity in him and then serving him. And I saw that over and over, and it just thrilled my heart. I love it when kids come to know the Lord. Oh, nobody's more hungry. In fact, I, I believe this. On If you look at a revival in America and other places, oftentimes, not every time, but oftentimes, you'll find youth on the vanguard of it. They are on the front side what of it. What does the word vanguard mean? The, oh, just the, the, the front, the, yeah, the shield? Yeah, yeah they're, the, they're the ones that are the front escort, line? The escorting it. They escort it in, you know? I don't know the word and, vanguard. I've heard it all my life, and I just realized, oh, yeah. that means. Um, well, I know at the Billy Graham Crusades, 80%, over 80% of the people said that would come forward were 25 years of age or younger. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Reach yeah. them while they're young. Yeah. So Teach a child the way he will go, and he will return. Amen. Eventually. Amen. So, so, Which is partially your story. 12, you have an epiphany experience. Mm-hmm. Then you stray, go off, and do your own thing. Yeah, I don't, yeah, God just revealed to me how much he loved me when I was 12. And I wanted, I wanted to love. I wanted to love him back. You would go to heaven. Yes. Yeah, you do. Totally. So you were born again, but not. But I, but I got older. When I was older, I sowed oats. I was, I was good all the way through high school. Mm. I never, but it was moral goodness. It was Mm. not spiritual goodness. The difference being, I never wanted to disappoint my parents. So that's that's my workspace. You love your parents. And and I wanted to work hard. Mm. For them to know that I respected them, mm-hmm. okay? But when I went to college and I was away from them, then I said, now I'll do it my way. Party, so, party. So a great example of that. So, wow. and, and, and an example of my father's, wow, my dad showed me the love of God. Did he? When I was in school, 
I, they snuck me into a bar when I was young. I was too young to get in. Yeah. Up in Indiana, I had to be 21. Your parents snuck you in? No, no, no. no. Uh, my <laughs> the buddies in college that okay. I was hanging with. This is okay. before okay. I recommitted okay. my life. Okay. And they they snuck me in, and uh, and it was five beers for a dollar that night. And they loaded me up, mm. and I was so drunk oh. that they threw me in the back of a pickup with my head sticking out the back end of the tailgate uh, as we went back down I-69 to the college so I could throw up. When I got there, they put me in my bed <laughs> in my dorm room, snuck me past the, the RD's room, oh. put a trash can next to my RD pillow. stands for? Resident director. Yeah, okay. And put my but, head in a trash uh, can <laughs> and left me. Well, about alcohol's a mocker. About you know, later in the evening, yeah. late in the evening, uh, a guy knocks at the door, opens it, and says, "Hey, Greg, uh, there's a phone call for you." Oh no! And parents. I remember it's my birthday. Okay, oh. it's my birthday. Oh. That's why it was five years for a dollar for me that night. <laughs> and so, so they they propped me up, took me to the phone. <laughs> I mean, they had to help me get to the phone, and I took the phone in my hand, and I guess by how I spoke. My dad, there was silence. Oh. And then he he just said, son, I want you to know I love you. And I want to wish you a happy birthday. Go get some sleep. Wow. That was it. He didn't judge me. Mm. He didn't come down on me. Yeah. He was disappointed. Yeah. But he didn't even say he was disappointed. He didn't even say he was disappointed. <laughs> and, oh. That was just one of those nudges, though. See, that's the Lord in my mess. Yeah. God's trying to reach me. He's that's trying a, to draw wow, me. Well, that's a great story. Oh, never forget that. So um, so I graduate. I, I'm a youth pastor, and I'm spending all my waking hours with youth, loving every minute. And then it, I remember praying one night about two years into doing youth ministry. And I, I said, Lord, I, I love the ministry. But I sure would love to, to have a, a partner, you know, somebody that I can sure. go through life with and share the, the uh, joys of ministry yeah. with. And if you would see fit to bring someone. And it was just a few weeks later that a girl <laughs> from Satellite Beach showed up <laughs> with her family. Yeah. And so we started dating. And a pretty she, blonde. Well, yes, but not my wife. Oh, oh, yeah, not your wife. Not oh, my so wife. We're not at your wife yet. This, oh. this girl had a desire to be a missionary. So she, too, was on the same track that wow. I was on, serving yeah. the Lord. Sold out for We had Lord. wonderful fellowship together, you know, and somebody to share life so with. So you're thinking this is it. I, at first I did, but then something began to stir me, and I thought, she's not the one. Just and knew it. I just knew it. And we broke up amicably. And I thought, Lord, you know, maybe I blew it. I don't know. You know, you're quite second-guessing yourself. Because she was a, a nice girl, really good girl. And then this girl shows up at church with a guy who was in my, he was one of my workers in the youth ministry. Yeah. He, she was a neighbor. And he said, I want to introduce you to her. Yeah. And I said, okay. So we, he introduced me. And uh, there was a singles bowling night coming up in the church. And I had never attended a singles event because I always spent time with youth, you know. Yeah. All of a sudden, I had an interest in bowling. <laughs> so, so I went to the bowling night and uh, was talking with her. And my, my friend, who knew her really well, they were neighbors. And he and I said to her, okay, look, if you bowl, 
I mean, how dumb can guys be, okay? This is just not smart. If you bowl a 200, we'll take you out for a steak dinner. She bowled a 199. <laughs> so, so we, no, we honored it. We took her to dinner. And we came back, and, and we're sitting at my grandmother's house, yeah. the three of us, talking. Yeah. He falls asleep. Because it's probably like one in the morning. Yeah, yeah. And she and I talked another hour. Yeah. And I thought, wow, Lord, this this could be the girl. And then the next week, I took off to North Carolina for two weeks, vacation. And I've never done this, but I wrote a card to her and just thanked her for that wonderful evening and how much I enjoyed the discussion that we had, you know. And I knew in my heart, this is the girl that I want to marry. Wow. I don't know if she knew it then, but I knew it. <laughs> and yeah, I'd like to get her so side we, of the story sometime. Yes. So we started dating, and a year later we were married. Wow. Yeah. And now you have how many children? We have four kids. Four kids. And ten grandchildren. Ten grandchildren. And one on the way. Our youngest, and Andy, is amazing. All of them love the Lord. All, like all of our children. You know? Oh, let me tell you, we're so thankful we didn't. We don't deserve it. I don't believe parents deserve good kids. I think you have to be faithful to God, and I know parents who are faithful to God, and kids still go astray. I sure. did that. Yeah, but I'm Were thankful that all my kids. Loving like your dad was to you. I tried to be, and because that never left my mind. And all Somehow four of my yeah. kids. Yeah. I remember uh, yeah. my son had gone through a tough time in college. Yeah. He went to a Christian school. Yeah, and he had broken up with a girl that he really dearly thought he was in love with. And he began to question God and what where's, where's God at and what's going on. And he began to question whether he believed in God. Yeah. While he was going through that that phase for about three or four or five months, he stopped talking to me because he knew my position on yeah. those things, how yeah, I believe. You didn't have to bring it up. You don't know what it is. He yeah. just did, so I, by not talking to Dad, then I don't have to think about it. So, but and I was praying hard. Lord, bring reveal to him, bring mm-hmm. him back, and he did. God brought him back. Yeah. And Mark. How did, the he, Lord how, did he, how did he bring him back? Well, he he uh, he just decided that he wanted to start talking again by phone, and oh. we did, we picked up where we left off. So for me, I didn't know what was the future. Did was. he come clean at that point, or no? Just, just well, talking. he had told he had told my wife Rini that he questioned whether God existed, mm-hmm. and this broke my heart. And uh, but he didn't want to talk to me about it. So when when he started calling again and talking, you know, we talked about all of that, where he was at, but he had changed. God had brought him back. So very thankful that just an example of you can raise your kids a certain way. There's no guarantee. The kids are going to make, choose of their own volition. Well, look at, look at how they Graham. view God. Billy Graham. I know one, if not both of his sons went astray. Okay. Two of them anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Franklin. Who was Franklin. the other one? I don't know. I just I just stopped at the cove recently. By the way, you ever been up to the cove? That's yes, oh, yeah. yes, yeah, and uh, beautiful. Well, you retreat. watch those videos. Well, you know, I got to interview him. I know. I, remember, I yeah. love that. What you said about the humility. Remember that? <laughs> Share that again. That, well, that, that was I, powerful. I broached the subject of humility with Dr. Graham, and he leaned in. He says, "Well, Red, if we're talking about it, we haven't got it." <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, I, so I, true. I immediately it's changed true. subject. <laughs> Actually, I wish I'd gone a little deeper, though, because I, I wish his publicity, it was just the three of us in the room, his publicity agent. And then he said, well, I have something that's, something that's current, some current event. It was like he interrupted the flow of God. God gave me this gift. Don't interrupt me. But it took me all off course because, you know, I always thought about Dr. Graham 
And first of all, I told God, I said, you know, if I don't get Dr. Graham, I said, I don't believe you've been in this, me being a talk host. <laughs> so I would like, if there's one thing I want, I want Dr. Graham. That I also asked like- that I could have General Colin Powell, which I did get, Bob Dylan, which I have not gotten, but I did get Billy Graham. And so uh, it's, it, it, it's an amazing story, but uh, I had favor with his publicity agent, and we were up at Jeb Bush's inauguration, and, and he just liked me. And, and uh, Well, what he said to you when he came off the stage, you, I think you wanted to interview him. Uh, and he, well, well, no, he got in a car, and we we ran over to this to this to the to the to the hotel. Okay, and then he came downstairs, riding in the in, this, in the seat next to the driver. Okay, not a limousine. I understood he wouldn't drive in a limousine, and he wouldn't uh, he wouldn't sit in the back of a car even. He wanted to be you know just wow yeah. normal so, guy. And I had to help him out of the car. Wow. That was really weird. I'm wow. helping Billy Graham because wow. he's elderly and weak, you know. Yeah. And we go in, and then we we go in through the maid the maid service instead of coming in the front of a hotel. Yeah. And went in, you know, because people, you know, he's yeah, famous, yeah. and all the maids started weeping and crying. Oh it's wow! Really and there's like God has shown up. Oh, you know, God help us! But you know, anyway. but, but he, he he. So anyway, we sat down. But I have to say this: I have yet. To meet someone now, you could say, "Is it? Am I fawning over the fact that he was so successful?" I really think, after all the the presidents I've interviewed and all the secretaries, all these people, no, he exuded a kindness. He was totally present and totally there for me. You know, and yeah. I, my dad was killed when I was younger, yes. day for my fifth birthday. So. Immediately, he interrupted me. He said, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. And I said, "And uh, what, what do you mean? He says, well, your face is very red. I said, it's a very cold day up here in Tallahassee. We had to run over here, so I got the, my cold on my face. But I chewed on that for years, and then I went on with the interview. But I remember, you know. But he I, noticed and, you. He, yeah, he tuned yeah. into and, you. Yeah, and I was like, why is that That's why amazing. Is echoing in my head? I said, because he showed me, uh, I never, I've Kindness. never had love from a male. Wow! So for have a, it was like a fatherly thing. It's, yeah, and he, um, and he is a spiritual father. There's no doubt about it. He was it. a spiritual. And father. the only other thing that happened similar to that, but he was the most humblest, Isn't loving, something? a person. Yeah. Because yeah, if I go to a Bible study with a bunch of men, I don't want to hurt their feelings, but I look around the room yeah. and I go, "There's but not one here that has." Something about him. Yeah. Where he was even do you watch his preaching now? Now when I just went up to the cove recently and he they showed up they showed a video first when you get there of him preaching. Yeah. And I, the way he did it. The Bible says that you and I are sinners. You know, he doesn't point the finger like he's some yeah, older yeah. guy. He's right down there. He yeah. had true humility. He didn't think he wasn't better than anybody else. He knew he was no better than anybody yeah, else. That's good. I mean, he, could, he went on those different. So anyway, yeah. so uh, that. But uh, why did I bring him up? There was some reason we we're going. We we're talking. But anyway, well, so let's go on here. So you get you you find this pretty little girl. Yeah, yeah. God so we, we get married. Your prayer. You get married. But but there's a season of brokenness that happens in the midst of of uh, courting and then marrying Rini. So we were in Daytona. I was a youth pastor. She had a job in town. She was yeah. from New Smyrna Beach, just yeah. down the road. Yeah. And uh, we had decided to get married uh, in September. And so we were looking for a home, uh, to purchase a home. And one of the pastor of the church that I was in, the, the, the senior pastor, one of his close buddies uh, had lunch with me one day. And he said, Greg, you know, we've, we've really appreciated all that you've done. Now, keep in mind, the youth group had grown from 17 kids mm. to about 125 kids. Mm-hmm. 
we had to split it in half. The junior high met on one night a week, the senior high another night. I had a multiple staff. I had a, one of the guys, Jack Schaefer, was my middle school past, direct pastor. I worked with him and the youth. And then in the, uh, the older kids, I was focused in on them. But a lot of kids. And to do it well, to shepherd that many kids, you, you, can't, you can't shepherd 125. I'm telling you, it's, kids yeah, are everywhere. Yeah. So we, we assigned. I mean, they just, they're yeah. so busy in their lives and things yeah. going on. So we had to use our staff to appoint them to certain kids to try to minister and, and, and come alongside them in life. Yeah. Many of them, like you, didn't have a spiritual father mm-hmm. or a father at all. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're doing this, and the things are flying, and the guy says, you know, Greg, we really appreciate all you've done with youth ministry, but uh, uh, the pastor and I have been talking, and we really would like to hire somebody who does youth and children's ministry, get two for one. And you're you're a youth pastor. Well, well, what's the difference? Explain the difference. Well, a youth pastor is over students. Yeah. Okay, older students from middle school up through high school. Yeah. A children's pastor is over kids from nursery to. Well, why didn't they think you could have done all that? Well, he knew my that was not my heart. I didn't I, I didn't feel called to do all that. Oh, okay. Um, and so they wanted me to leave. They wanted wow. me to do it privately and quietly. Well, n- building up to this, I had been preaching uh, several times uh, in the year, like about wow. six times a year. They would yeah. have me preach. Yeah. And the congregation, now I grew up in this church. So these little ladies who had changed my diapers are just loving it, you know. Yeah. Look at Craig, you know, what the Lord's done. And and it was it was going well. Anyway, these guys, and now get, get it, keep in mind, my father sat on the board of the church mm. and had no clue that this was happening. It was not something that went through proper channels. Mm. It was a pastor, the lead pastor, and one of his guys who made this decision. So I went home that day devastated. Yeah. And I, I remember I went prostrate on the ground and I cried. Yeah. I said, Lord, I never asked to go into the ministry. You called me. And I'm not going to beg to stay here. No. But if you're in this, then I need you to reveal to me and provide the next place you want me to serve. Yeah. I got up. I never told anybody. I never even told my dad. I left it alone. It's like the Lord said to me, don't touch it. Let me handle this matter. Mm. You're my child. You just follow me. So I never told anybody. And two weeks to the day that I prayed, I got a call from Michael Meyer, the pastor in Palm Beach Gardens. Just out of the blue. Out of the blue. Well, every year we'd go to a youth convention and church kids from all over, the churches all over the so state. So you had met him there. And I met him there. And I would do conferences at the convention and he would do conferences and we became friends. Yeah. But he had no clue what was going on. I, ne- I never told anybody. Yeah. And he said, Greg, uh, I don't know how to share this with you, but I really sense from God that I need to ask you if you'd consider coming to Palm Beach Gardens <laughs> to be my associate pastor and youth pastor. Wow. Two days, two weeks Probably of the day. Probably a pay raise, too. Actually, no, no, because it was a smaller church oh, than the okay. one I was in. All right. And I prayed, and I thanked the Lord just for the opportunity, and we went down. Reenie and I both went down and met with the, the board 
and they were going to match our current salary in Daytona, oh, that's which true. was a step of faith for them to do oh. that because it was a congregation of about probably about 220 or uh, yeah, about 225, 230. Yeah. yeah. And so um, we said, we, we just sensed the Lord all over it. We had a peace. We said, yes. <laughs> so we were married in, we were married in December, Yeah. but we started our new ministry um, back in, uh, when was it? Was it August? So God just worked it all out. And Simply amazing. So she and I, and so I was there for two and a half years under him. And then uh, he was going to leave and go back to school to get his doctorate. Hmm. And I, now keep in mind, I don't have a degree. I All the way through, the first guy that brought me into Daytona, I said, I don't even have a degree. He said, well, neither did Jesus. But you know what he said? He, well, he was wise. He, this guy sat on the national board as the chairman of the executive council of the whole movement, the denomination. Well, he's a well, so what did he say? He said, hey, uh, you're going to come here, and you're going to get on-the-job training, and you can take classes on the side. Don't let the ethereal rule out the practical. Wow, very good. Wise. That was wise. So now I'm down in gardens. I'm an associate pastor, and I start taking classes down at Knox Theological Seminary. Oh. And so the senior pastor is going to leave. Dr. James Kennedy, the, oh, the school that he sure. started. Yeah. So the senior pastor is leaving. The elder board chairman came to me and said, Greg, we'd like for you to consider um, coming on staff as the lead pastor. Wow. Uh, and, and at least in a transitional period at first. Well, get this. I had just returned two weeks earlier from visiting Vero Beach, Florida, First Church of God, where Tom Bates had asked me to come up and consider being the associate pastor mm. or, or the youth pastor, youth mm. pastor. And I had been at gardens for now two years. And so we, because I knew wow. the pastor was going to be leaving, offers. well, yeah. because I knew the senior pastor where I was, I was going to leave. I thought maybe God's telling me I need to go. So we went up and visited. We came back and on the way home, we just, we had a wonderful time visiting, but we didn't have a sense of release mm -hmm. and I didn't understand it. Got back home. And uh, they offer you this. then they came and said, we'd like for you to wow. be the interim. So you take I, it. So I said, only if you take it before the congregation, I'd like to hear what they think. 100% vote. Really? So I said, okay, so here's what we'll do. I mean, talking about a guy that's in fear, because I'm really not prepared for this. Okay? Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. Young kid. Yeah. How old were you? I was, at that time, I was like 20, 25 years old. That's young. And so 26, something like that. So anyway, I said, I said, uh, uh, okay, so we'll do it for six months. And then let's, if, if, if we still feel the same, then we'll go back to the congregation again for a vote to, for me to be permanent. Yeah. We did 98% vote. I knew. And so that's how I came into the pastoral ministry that the, the senior pastoral ministry, all the time taking classes, you know, trying to, uh, get that side of it completed. And, uh, so, so I was there for 21 years. 21 years. Yeah. And uh, made tremendous inroads in the business community. Uh, Chuck Schumacher. Schumacher yeah. has several dealerships all over the county. Was he a Christian? Yes. Oh. He worships at a, at a Presbyterian church. But anyway, Wonder. Chuck had me and uh, two or three other pastors come into his dealership on Wednesday mornings at 7 
for 7.30 a.m. To pray with his guys? To all businessmen from the community were welcome to come in the sales office upstairs of the North Lake Boulevard uh, Schumacher Buick office. Wow. And there was, it hold about 50 or 60 chairs. Oh, wow. And we would do verse-by-verse Bible teaching with wow. Christian businessmen. It was powerful. Yeah. And just a lot of inroads like that all over the county for 20, 21 years is a long time to spend in one location. Yeah. And then God called us to come up to Vero. We came up here. Well, how did that happen? I mean, you just left those people. They must have been upset. Well, they had just thrown a 20-year anniversary for me. Oh, boy. And now you're going to divorce us? Now, listen. In January, I got a letter. Hey, we'd like you to consider coming up. We have a vacancy in our senior role. We'd like for you to consider it. I wasn't interested at all. I was just in love with what I was doing. Marini and I even prayed, Lord, let us make this a life commitment here at the church and in this county among these people. Yeah. Uh, and we so, want to freeze frame it. Yeah. Because we all want to freeze do. frame I have a line in one of my songs, you know, you, you go, or a poem, whatever it was I wrote, that you're going down the river of life, and we want to get up on the bank and build a nice little house and everything, but sooner or later, the river is going to flow, there's going to be a height in the river, and it's going to wash that thing away because yes. nothing is stagnant. We want, no. let's keep, let's keep the kids exactly. this age, let's keep the grandkids this age, let's keep everything <laughs> like this. Can we freeze frame it? Because I go back now thinking my And we look Hattie's at it as our Camelot. Boom. That's, That's our it. Camelot. Camelot. <laughs> and short is simply not a more yeah. congenial spot than go. happy ever aftering than here in Camelot. They need you on Broadway. I had to learn that because I was an MC at a big event up here at Windsor for, for and that was the theme, Camelot. But anyway, so you're in Camelot. Uh, so, and God and, has other plans. Yeah, he did. So we, we went six months and didn't even respond. They didn't even respond? No. And then finally they called and said, look, we're about to shut down the gathering of resumes, but we really would like you to pray about this and consider it. So in, wow. And then I waited two more months. In August, I was miserable. My wife said to me, honey, if you don't, if you don't at least respond, we're going to throw you out of the boat because you're making us miserable. You're miserable. You're making us miserable. This is your wife. And I had even told. So she the, has uh, wisdom and insight. And I, yes, very much. And I had told the elders of the church I was pastoring mm. all about it. I didn't hide it from them. Mm. And I said, I just pray with me. Maybe I can help this church find their next pastor. That's how I took it. Yeah. Well, then at by, by, by August, I'm writing and I told my elders, guys, I don't know why, but I feel like I need to at least respond to them. I did, and by the next April, wow. I preached my first sermon at that church. That's the one that I went to and saw you at. Yes. Out here in town. Interestingly enough, you might remember this, Rhett. First Sunday in April, mm-hmm. preached a sermon on the life-giving church and and shared the gospel. Yeah. And I, I, I invited people to come and pray at the altar mm-hmm. and to receive Christ. Mm-hmm. And a little man, older man, came and knelt. And so after we had uh, ministered at the front, I went down to the altar next to him. I said, sir, uh, uh, how can I help you? And he said, I want Christ. And I went, praise God. This is an older man, you know, getting saved. So we prayed together and he goes, well, he was so happy, you know, he goes, well, I'm off today to San Diego. I said, oh, I said, you have grandkids out in San Diego and a family? And he goes, no. He goes, I'm a major league umpire. He goes, the season, oh, the season starts today. He was on my show. What was his name? Uh, don't do that to me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but this? anyway, he was on my show, yeah. 36 ye- or 37 years as a major league umpire, the longest 
uh, term an umpire yeah. served in the majors. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Fremming. Yes, Bruce Fremming. Very good. And his wife, they, when he came back the next year after the season ended, Rose Marie came to me and she said, Pastor, I have a new husband. Wow. Isn't that cool? Wow. That was the first Sunday I there. wonder what made him go forward. What, the, what, Lord. the Lord. The yeah. Lord opened, turned the light on, man. He used to he live saw up it. there at, at um, the Grand Harbor. I okay. If, I wonder if he's still there. Never went to his home. I wonder how he is. Yeah. I don't know. But that was just, that was to me, that was a confirmation wow. of this ministry that God oh, had brought me into. the first day you're preaching. the first Sunday. This guy comes. Yeah. Yeah. And people were saved. And I would preach through Ephesians for one year, verse by verse, over 80 people were saved and baptized. And that's when he turned to the crowd and said, batter up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Greg, you hit a home run. <laughs> so God is good. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and he's, he's proven himself faithful. You know, I was studying this past week about the providence of God, yeah. which is different than a miracle. A miracle of God is where God intervenes in the natural yeah. realm. Yeah. Providence, Providence is where God uses the natural. Yes. And orchestrates behind the scenes while yeah. bad things are happening to Rep Palmer. Yeah. God is working I it totally for believe, his good. I mean, you know, you get that car that's in so front of you that's poking along. Oh, my word, they're going 32 miles an hour. Next thing you know, oh, there's a cop. Well, that, that car saved me from getting a speeding ticket. And listen. We all seek after the miracle. Yeah. Miracles don't happen that often. No. Providence happens every yeah. day. Yeah. We need to be thinking and thanking God there for his providential no, hand on no our lives. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. I mean, if And you, I do every day. I'm telling you, I'm thankful I, for to be able reason, to pastor now, church. Uh, but let's, let's talk about that. For some reason, faith pleases God. For instance, Mary was told by the angel, you're going to bear a child. Okay. Yes. Emmanuel, God is with us. Messiah is coming. She says, well, how can that be? I've never known a man, but as you say, be it unto me. She believed the angel. Her, her faith was considered her righteousness. Abraham says, God speaks to me. He says, okay, I believe you. And uh, Drops his, everything and goes. Drops everything and goes. His, so his faith is his righteousness. So there's something about, uh, I remember when Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, who I had the pleasure of meeting a couple of times, like the power positive thinking guy, yeah. and um, <clears throat> he helped bring me to Jesus in a way. Wow. But anyway, he, uh, he, uh, he said at the end, it was about 94, 95 years old, he says, I think the whole thing of it is that we're here to learn faith. We're here to learn faith. Interesting that he would say and, that. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't know why faith pleases God. Uh, and why he's quiet. You know, there are times when I go like, you know, I haven't heard from you in a while, and you're being awful quiet. And I'll go, you know, it'd be nice if you, if you, you know, blatantly showed up. And he has a couple times in my life, you know, but uh -huh. I've been on this desert for, you know, 10, 15 years. Hello? And then then the next day I'm going, you know, I'm kind of glad that you don't speak to me <laughs> because, you know what? Then I'd be accountable when I'm a jerk. And to be a jerk mm -hmm. when God's, you don't know if God's watching or not, but then to be a jerk like if you knew him. How would you have to behave? And of our own volition and our own power, we can't. I don't know about you, but I'm not the same man that I am when I'm really on my knees. You know, the, what's that song? When I fall to my knees, I can touch the sky. Yes. Well, see, God's always watching, even when we don't think he is. Yeah. Even when we think he's, you know, so far away from us. 
He is all over it. The scripture says he knows the number of hairs on our head. Jesus said in Matthew 10 that my father cares for the little sparrow. Now listen, the sparrow was what they would bring to temple to offer sacrifice. The poor Jews, they couldn't afford anything. Not a sparrow falls from heaven without the father's permission. They would pick up a little sparrow at the market. Paid yeah. nothing for, yeah. for it. Yeah. And the sparrows were so cheap that the guy would say, here, here, have another one too. Take take two. And then they would get to the door of the courtyard to enter the temple, and the priests would have their little market set up and say, oh, God would never receive that sparrow. you got to have this lamb over here that's un, uh, unblemished. And they would charge exorbitant you amounts. this one for payments. And, <laughs> and, and Jesus, that's why he cast them out of the temple. Yeah. So now... So, Making so a, a sparrow in that day meant nothing, really. It, it was it was so in, oh. invaluable, and yet God cares about the sparrow. How oh. much more does He care about us? That He knew us from the foundation of the world. Our names were written in the book of life. Those who were saved yeah. from the foundation of the world. Yeah. There's never been a time that God's not watching and know what's going on and even jesus, though you don't see it jesus, that's where the faith comes in jesus said you didn't pick me i picked absolutely you. yes and that's probably because of the arrogance of man well man would yeah you're right he would claim credit if man could save himself he would claim credit but the fact is no man can i helped this many old ladies across the street oh, i goodness. fed the hungry clothing now he does require those and this is the funny thing because later on in life you got people coming to him well we cast out demons in your name we healed in your name. You know, they did all, we prophesied in your name, and Jesus says, I never knew you. Now, these are outward parents of people that are really religious in today's world. And they know? weren't lying. They, they did and those they things. Did, but Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me, those of you others, who practice lawlessness. Here's what he meant. What? I am the fulfillment of the law. Yeah. You have made your own laws that are righteous. You know, I'm going to tell you a story. And it's lawless. I want to tell you a story. So yeah. about a year ago, I said to the Lord, I don't know why. I said, you know, I don't know if I want to go to your heaven. And I said, because oh my. if you've got, um, if they're arrogant up there, like the like the puffed up, uh, <laughs> Rat, the puffed up people on this earth, I don't want to be around them. And secondly, if your angels are like that, and I'm not sure if the angels are going to be kind and sweet, maybe they're puffed up and said, I don't think I can stand an eternity like that. So I'm not sure I want to go. Now, listen to the story. I'm not sure that I want to go to your heaven. So I go to bed that night, I get up in the morning, and I know this is the Lord because I picked up this little teeny tiny Bible, and um, uh, this little teeny, we're going to go for about five more minutes, pick up this little teeny tiny Bible, and I open it, just first page, it's in Romans, I believe, Jesus is sitting on the ground with his disciples. That wouldn't be Romans. Okay. Well, Probably one of the Gospels. All right, one of the Gospels. Anyway. He's there anyway. So he's sitting on the ground with his his disciples, yeah. and these Pharisees come up. Now, people don't know these Pharisees had these beautiful outfits, you know, gold yeah. and blue and white. Oh, yeah. and, uh, they're beautiful. They said, Rabbi. They At least they acknowledged him and gave him the dignity of calling him Rabbi. Rabbi, which means teacher. Rabbi, your disciples are eating with unclean hands. Mm. And he looked up at them, and then... For some reason, he must have breathed on it because I started laughing uproariously. I immediately got it. He was like incredulously looking at them. Maybe he put a little extra in there that wasn't even in the Bible. For me, it was. And he says, you follow the precepts of men, not the precepts of God. For what goes in a man's mouth and comes out the other end does not defile a man. But what comes out of his mouth defiles a man. You follow the precepts of men. 
He'd answered my prayer from the night before. Even he doesn't want religious, arrogant people in heaven. They're not there. No. You'd never he make If you were that way, you wouldn't be there. No. And what's interesting, in Revelation, careful, right? in Revelation, when John is there, God gives him the vision to see what's happening in heaven, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and there's the scroll that's locked up. Yeah. And, and no one in heaven could unlock the scroll, could open the scroll. Yeah. And there's weeping. John starts weeping. Yeah. And, and one of the elders says to him, Wait, don't, don't weep. And he looks up. I get this. This is a picture of heaven. And he sees what looks like a lamb that was slain. He doesn't see Jesus in this glorified body walking up. He sees a lamb that's bloodied walk towards the scroll and open the scroll. Takes the seal off, Talk about brokenness and humility. Christ in heaven. Wow. A a, a lamb that was slain was the only one who could open the scroll. Only brokenness and humility are in the presence of God. Yeah. There's no way that arrogance or pride could ever make it there. No way. Wow. Good to be with you, my friend. Good to be with you. Greg Semschrott, uh, you have a church in Vero Beach, Florida. Yeah, What's Vero, the name of it? Vero Bible Fellowship. We Where's meet, it located? We meet out at Storm Grove Middle School on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. That's 57th Street, the same street that the school board is located on. Okay. Okay. And uh, then we meet Wednesday nights for Bible study at the Church of Christ on, on 20th. Oh, you do? Yeah. What time is that? Uh, we meet at 6.30. 6.30. And we meet yeah. in their Founders Hall. They've been so gracious to open their place to oh, us because we don't own a facility yet. 60. 60. Yeah, 60. that's it. It's been been, that well, time. it's actually between 43rd and 27th on the north side of the road. Uh, I, oh, don't, I don't uh, know the exact the address. That's the right side of your heading west. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's right. And that's Wednesday nights at 6.30. Yeah. And then Sunday at 10, one service. One service on Sunday at 10 a.m. at Storm Grove Middle School. Storm Grove and, Middle uh, School. On 67th? Uh, 57th Street. 57th. 57th okay. Street. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you can take that new 53rd out and then take a right. Yeah. I want to say it's 6400, uh, 57th, uh, but if you just put in your phone, your Google map. If you put in Stormgrove Middle, it'll take you right there. We meet in the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful facility. It's probably the prettiest school in, in Indian River County. And uh, we call the cafeteria our chapel-teria. <laughs> chapel-teria. <laughs> come, come, so and, we're, we're come a, break bread. We're a nomadic church. We don't yeah. own any facilities. We'll go yeah. wherever people will let us use a facility, you know. Hey, Pastor and Greg, good to see you. You too. Love you. God, God bless, bless you. God bless you, Rad.